0: see again it's exciting that you're here today and I, I was thinking about it this week this is as we've mentioned a couple of times already it's the first ever totally online service in the history of our church some of you some of you were here the very first morning that our church ever met over 30 years ago over at Milford school some of you were here the very first time we met in our own building some of you were here the very first time that we ever met in this room and If you've ever felt left out, today's your day because you're here at the first ever online service of our church, and uh, you look good in your pajamas. Way to go. Uh, We're glad that you're with us today, and uh, I really, you know, I hope you're doing well. I've been thinking about you this week, uh, praying for you. We've been praying for you in the office, um, for all of our seniors, our adults, uh, parents, kids students. Uh, friends, it's a, it's a new day. I, it's amazing to me how quickly things can change. Um, but at the same time, Jesus is still on the throne. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same as he was a week ago, o- only 10 days ago, when the first announcement, the first uh, declaration from Governor Holcomb went out that uh, we were uh, to limit our gatherings to 250 or less. And then now this week, that number is down to 50 and even down uh, to 10. Man, back in the good old days, we could have 250 of us. But uh, the great news is that even when life changes and school is shut down and work dries up, Jesus is the same. He hasn't changed. None of this has caught him by surprise. He's still in control. He still cares. And he's still with us. You know, um, I don't know about you, but I've seen just some strange things happening this week. You know, I I saw lines at Dollar General, not in the store, but outside of the store for the first time ever, uh, walking in and just uh, seeing people keep their distance and not really talk to one another. It was the first time I could walk down the aisle at Dollar General and people got out of my way. So that was kind of cool. But at, at the same time, people are afraid. I mean... Uh, Stores are closed. Restaurants are closed. Schools are closed. And the reality is more restrictions could be coming. Uh, In Pennsylvania and in California, that's already happened. Uh, The sense of fear and anxiety, even sometimes, you know, if you're stuck at home, even purposelessness can be really overwhelming. Uh, I've heard from a number of you. You are you're fearful about work. You're fearful about illness. You have uh, uh, people you know uh, who've been in contact potentially with this disease, uh, and it's it's frightening. Uh, but last week I opened up Ephesians, or excuse me, Philippians chapter four, and we saw that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi to let their reasonableness be known to everyone he said the Lord is near and you don't need to be anxious about anything now that's a lot easier to write than it maybe is to truly believe but uh, the truth is that by the power of the spirit we can believe that and experience that and that's my prayer for you and for our church this week see uh, some in our world are panicking Others are just living in denial. Oh, it's not that big of a deal, but we need to be people who are, who are striking the balance, who are reasonable, and who care for others. And so with that thought in mind, we're going to be unpacking Micah 6.8 over the next few weeks. And uh, do you know that verse? We're in a series called uh, What's Good, and the verse goes like this. Uh, it says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Uh, Maybe you've heard that verse before. You recognize it. I'd challenge you. uh, Why don't you memorize that with us over the next few weeks? Let's see if we can commit that verse to memory that we're to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Well, what does it mean to do justice? justice. Well, I'm going to define it very simply. I'm going to define it like this, that doing justice means simply doing what's right, doing the right thing at the right time in the right way. That's, that's justice. It's doing right by people. Now, in, in order to understand the, the, the context of this verse, though, it's, it's important for us to know a little bit about, uh, about Micah, Now, Micah, he he was an Old Testament prophet, and he was from a small farming village about five miles southwest of Jerusalem. His name is actually just a shortened version of the name Micaiah, and it means, uh, who is like the Lord? It's a rhetorical question. There's nobody like him. Who is like the Lord? And uh, Micah prophesied at the same time as guys like Isaiah and Amos and Hosea. And during Micah's day, society and culture were changing rapidly. People were moving uh, from rural areas into urban areas, and one of the things that was happening in Micah's day is that uh, there were people who were kind of wealthy investors in a lot of ways, and they were buying up all of the small family farms and uh, developing huge, huge holdings of land. And as you can imagine, this uh, was not a good thing for the poor. The poor uh, were oppressed. They were It was creating inequality, and they were oppressed uh, directly, as when they couldn't pay for things, their their, their land was just in their houses, we're going to see, were, were just taken away from them. You can read about that early in Micah. And also, uh, indirectly, because now there was no work for them. There was no way for them to even earn the money to be able to sustain what they had. Well, Micah, being from one of the small farming towns, being among the class that was poor, he championed the oppressed poor. And uh, he rebuked the greed and the selfishness and the evil of some of those who were wealthy. See, what was happening, Micah is being a champion for the poor, and those who could help were not doing what was right. They weren't helpful in any way, shape, or form. And friends, if there's ever a time to do what's right as Jesus Church, now is the time. You know, we've talked a lot about uh, our anxiety and our fears, and those are very real. But even in the midst of that, we're called to do what's right. Because that way we can uh, calm the anxieties and fears of others. And when they can see the goodness of who Jesus is, and they can see the truth of the giant sign that we have out and that we have all over our website, that you are loved. See, uh, many have even even questioned, and I'll I'll be honest with you, I questioned, is canceling our worship services the right thing to do? Is is canceling... uh, Student ministry, is that the right thing to do? Use of the facility, is that the right thing to do right now? I mean, if, if anybody ever needed us, now's the time, isn't it? Well, I really landed on the fact, and we did as, as leadership, that this is the right thing to do. And for a few reasons, I mean, number one, uh, our, our governor, our president, they've both... Asked for us not to meet in large gatherings. And the Bible is really clear in Romans chapter 13 that God is the one who has instituted every human authority. And so by disobeying them and not respecting them and not cooperating with them, we're not cooperating with the Lord. Uh, they haven't singled the church out. We're not on our own. This is for everybody. But I'll be honest, there is that part of me that goes, well, Irene, mean, I really want to get together with all of you, and I wish we could get together, but we need to do what's right. The other thing that comes to mind is that when you really think about it, I mean, how would that be perceived by our friends in the community? If everybody is stuck at home with their kids, stay-at-home moms are stuck at home, uh, working moms and dads are stuck at home, and then all of a sudden we just say, yeah, but we're going to get together Anyway who do you think you are getting together? That doesn't apply to you? It really damages the reputation of our church. And it it even kind of says, we don't respect authority and we don't love people, that we're just going to get together no matter what, even if everybody gets sick. So I'm confident we're doing what's right, and I know you feel the same. But what does it look like for us beyond that even, to do what's right as his people and as the church? Uh, I could rattle off a few more things, and we will a little later, but um, isn't it great news that even in not being together, we can still meet like this, and we can still interact with one another? Uh, And doing what's right, the more that we're wise, the more that we're reasonable in these days, and calm and peaceable, the more people see who Jesus is. Totally in control, totally near, absolutely caring. It's, justice is the action of God's righteousness. See, that's really what justice is ultimately about. Doing what's right has to do with the rightness of who God is. Uh, Righteousness is uh, what is right according to God's moral standards. Justice is making right decisions according to his righteousness. It's righteousness put into action. And we need to do what's right. James 4.17 says this: whoever knows the right thing to do, yet fails to do it, for him it's sin. I wonder, have you had any things this week where you go, I know that would probably be the right thing to do right now? Well, if you don't do it, James tells us that's sin. God calls us to righteousness, to making right choices, to doing what's right. And we're called to do what's right. And, and by the way, it's according to who God is. We're to do what's right according to who God is, according to his righteousness. Now we were talking a little bit about the context of the book of Micah. And now Micah can be divided into three warnings. Micah kind of has three messages throughout his book. And the first is a warning of coming judgment. The second... Uh, warning after that, in the middle of the book, there's a promise of this coming deliverer. Can you guess who that is? Yeah, it's Jesus. And that in spite of their sin, he's coming to save them from it. And then the third message of the book of Micah is a challenge. And it's a challenge to trust the Lord. Uh, Micah's kind of been saying, uh, friends, uh, Listen, judgment's coming. God could tear all this down in the blink of an eye. And now he challenges them. Your only hope is to put your trust in the Lord. Micah's first message uh, was presented in such a way, it was kind of like an episode of Law and Order. It was like this courtroom trial. And the third message, which starts in verse, in a chapter six, excuse me, is also a courtroom drama uh, you know, in our country, a courtroom drama, a courtroom, a, a trial begins with, uh, what, what happens when the judge walks in? What do they say? Yeah, all rise. Everybody, everybody stand up. All rise. Well, check this out in chapter six, verse one. Hear what the Lord says. Arise. Plead your case before the mountains. See, in, in this case, the Lord is the judge. God is the judge. He's also the plaintiff, we're going to find out, but he's the judge. And it says, the Lord says, Arise, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear your voice. Look at verse 2. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord. See, now uh, at the beginning of a trial, the indictment's read. And in this trial, God is the judge and he's the plaintiff. And he says this Hear the indictment of who? Of the Lord. And you, enduring foundations of the earth, for the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. The judge reads off the charges, and he is the plaintiff. God, see, see, doing right is doing right according to, justice is doing what's right according to who God is. He's the righteous judge. He's the standard. When he brings an indictment, guess who's right every time? he is look at verse three he says oh my people he's like what have i done to you how have i wearied you and it's almost like there's this uproar in the courtroom and the judge pulls out his gavel (laughs) order in the court answer me what have i done to you For I brought you up from the land of Egypt. He he starts to recount all the good things he's done. I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of slavery. I sent you before Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. He's like, uh, do you remember you were slaves in Egypt? How I rescued you? You had no hope on your own, but, but I, the Lord, did all the work to rescue and redeem you. And I brought you out and I brought you into a good land, and then in verse 5, he reminds them of that journey into the good land. See, look at this. He says, O oh, my people, remember what Balak, the king of Moab, devised. And what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him. Now, at first glance, you might not know who these guys are, but Balak was the king of Moab. And so as the Israelites are journeying from Egypt to the Promised Land, they kind of take this circular route and they go through the desert and uh I'm shortening the story by quite a bit, but on their way up into the Promised Land, they circle around the eastern side of the Dead Sea through the land of Moab. And on their way, they had just destroyed the Amorites, and the king of Moab is afraid. Balak is afraid. And so what he does, you can read about this in Numbers chapter 22 through 24. Uh, Balak uh, sends for Balaam. Balaam is a seer, and he has a reputation for Uh, bringing down curses upon people, and those curses happening. And so Balak calls out to to Balaam, he sends some people to him, and he says, hey, I need you to come and curse these people. Well, uh, Balaam uh, gets up and he goes, and on his way he's riding his donkey, and in the road before the donkey we find out the angel of the Lord appears. Now, I'm, I'm convinced in this case, again, as in most, when we see angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, that's Jesus, because he has a sword, just like he does in Joshua, and uh, he's standing there with the sword blocking the way, and the donkey can see him, but Balaam can't see him, and the donkey freaks out, and three times this happens to where the donkey ends up sitting down, and Balaam beats his donkey every time, and then the donkey talks to him. He's like, dude, he says the same thing that God said in his indictment against his people. What have I done to you to deserve this treatment? And uh, Balaam agrees, well, nothing. Yeah, you've always been good. And then all of a sudden, the Lord opens Balaam's eyes to Jesus standing right there in front of them. And he's terrified, and he bows down, and he worships. And he's like, should I go or should I not go? What do you want me to do? And the Lord tells him, he says, well, I want you to go, but only say what i tell you to say nothing else and nothing less and so he goes to balak and when he gets to balak uh he says uh, sorry balak i cannot curse them i can only say what god has told me to say and this happens in a series of scenes to where then balak comes back and he says well if you can't curse them, fine but then whatever you do don't bless (laughs) them." well you can imagine what happens balaam actually blesses god's people And what God is saying to the people here in this court case through Micah is, don't you remember all the things I've done for you? Do you remember how when you came out of Egypt, you were on your way through Moab, and remember what Balak wanted to do? He he wanted to curse you. He wanted to bring you down. He he didn't want to have to deal with you. He wanted your worst. And he went and got somebody who could have brought it, but I intervened. And instead of cursing you, you received blessing. And then uh, it goes on, it says, and do you remember what happened from Shittim to Gilgal? Well, Shittim was the last place that they camped on the east side of the Jordan River. Gilgal is where they, the first place they camped after they crossed the Jordan River. And in case you don't remember that story, what happens in the first uh, few chapters of Joshua is they come to Shittim, uh, they come down into the, to the, to the mouth of the river while it's at flood stage and uh, they carry the ark out into the river and it says the water's just piled up as soon as the priest's feet hit the water. And just like they crossed the Red Sea on dry land, they crossed the Jordan River on dry land. And God's like, do you remember how faithful I was to you then? See, that's really what he's saying here. How have I wearied you? I've been so good to you. I've been so good to you over and over. Do you you remember those things? You know, when God tells us to remember, it's always with a view to the present and to the future. He says, remember the past because what you experienced of me then is going to be the same today. I'm still just as good, and you can trust me for the future. Friends, in the midst of everything going on right now, Maybe you've cried out to God going, what is going on? How can this be? Uh, And he's saying to you, do you remember how I've been with you? Do you remember all the good that I've brought to you, all the ways I've blessed you? Trust me. Trust me. I'll be with you today. I'll be with you tomorrow. I haven't changed. I'm still in control. Trust me. And in this court case, That's ultimately what God says to his people. I was faithful, I'll remain faithful. He's with you, friends. He's with me, he's with us as a church. He'll carry us through. He will. He's near, we don't have to be anxious about anything. He calls us in this moment to do what's right according to who he is. He's the judge, he's the authority, and according to who he's made us to be. According to who he's made us to be. See, after the indictment, then we hear from the people, starting in verse 6. Uh, and what's curious is as we hear from the people, we actually get a glimpse into their hearts. Uh, what shall I come before? What shall I come with before the Lord? With what shall I come before the Lord and, and bow myself before God on high? You know, really that's kind of the question of, of everyone's life. With what will you come before the Lord, before the judge, before the one who's in control of all things? Uh, See, on our own, when we come before God in our sin, we deserve his wrath. I mean, the the trial is, is really short, and we're guilty every time. The only thing we can come before the Lord with, the only defense we have is to put our trust in Jesus who, who ultimately steps in and comes in in our place, gives us his righteousness, his rightness, so that we can be declared free and forgiven. And friends, that only happens by an act of faith. When you uh, turn and put your trust in Jesus Christ, you become a Christian. Not by going to church, not by doing what's right do you become a Christian, but when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit enables you to do what's right. And when you become a Christian, now you can do what's right according to who you are, according to who God is, and now ultimately according to who he's made you to be. He's saying this is your new identity, now go and live it out. Friends, I said earlier that there's no other time like now for the church to be the church of Jesus Christ and to do what is right according to who God is and according to who we are because uh, our world needs the message of hope of the gospel. They need to know that they're loved. They need to know that God is in control and that he cares and that any of these circumstances, if Uh, if anything, they're meant to turn our sides back to Jesus, to return to him. I saw this morning uh, Vice President Pence called for our country to spend less time on the internet, except for during the live stream of our service, right? And more time in prayer. More time on our knees, and I believe that's true. We need to do what's right. We need to be the church. See, uh, we're to... Do what's right according to who He's made us to be. Check this out. I told you what happens is God makes you new, and then you can do what's right. Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Check out. See, do you see what's happening? They're just like, uh, God, what shall I come before you with? I mean, it, it, doesn't, it seems like no matter what I do, it's never enough. Uh, do I need to bring burnt offerings with calves a year old? Will you be pleased with thousands of rams? It's like it's never, ten thousands of rivers of oil? Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll just give my firstborn. Is, is that enough for you? Is that enough? The, the fruit of my own body for the sin of my soul. The reality is, no, it's it's not enough. The only thing that's enough is Jesus. But in their response here, what we see is their heart, that they just viewed God's blessing as something that was transactional, like, God, if, if I do enough for you, then maybe you'll bless me. Maybe then you'll love me. Friends, that's the lie of religion. That if you do enough good things, then God will love you that if you do justice, then God will be pleased with you and love you and save you. And No, you can never do enough. I can never do enough. Instead, it's uh, God has made me new in Jesus Christ, and now I'm to do what's right according to who he is and according to who he's made me now to be. Friends, my only hope is Jesus Christ. I am so royally messed up apart from him. But he saved me. He's made me new and he's making me new. And he will rescue you as well if you would put your trust in him. See, uh, look at verse 8. He has told you, oh man. Here's our verse for the next three weeks. I challenge you to memorize. He's told you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness or to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Today we've been talking about justice. Uh, Pastor Dave is going to unpack mercy and kindness next Sunday. And in a couple weeks, we'll talk about humility and walking with God. But, But, you know, when it says he has told you, oh, man, really what he's saying is he's told you, oh, mortal, frail. Fragile, tiny, little, but totally loved human being. Oh, mortal, some translations say. Man, if there's anything that would ever make you feel like a mortal, it's a pandemic that's growing around the world. You need Jesus Christ, and so do I. So God says, do you know what I require? I require you to, to trust me and then to do what's right according to who I am and according to who he's made you to be so let's think about that friends let's think about that as a church what are things we can do that are right that bring justice right now well first off we're jesus ambassadors right keep that in mind second corinthians 5 20 paul says we are christ's ambassadors we're his messengers god making his appeal through us through our actions people are going to see and either embrace or reject the gospel Listen, we're sent to love. An ambassador is sent. We're sent to love people. How do we do what's right? Well, well, here's some ways that we can love people during this time. Number one, don't panic. Don't panic. Let your reasonableness be known to all people. Now, if you're feeling a little anxiety, you're feeling a little panic, that's okay. But don't panic. Don't panic. Be calm. Be reasonable. You're his ambassador. And by the power of his spirit, he can help you with that. Uh, Also, don't downplay it. See, if you downplay all of this and you say, ah, it's really just, it's not a big deal. uh, You uh, immediately, uh, really you've lost your audience with people who need to hear the hope and the calm of Jesus Christ because what you're telling them is, you're crazy, you don't, what, what are you so worried about? when really they need somebody to come alongside them and love them and care for them, don't downplay it. People are dying. This is a real thing. Even if you don't agree with everything going on, don't don't downplay it. We're his ambassadors. Uh, Don't panic. Don't downplay it. Uh, Cooperate with our leaders. I referenced Romans 13 earlier. Check this out. Romans 13, here it is. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. The last time I, I checked, every person meant every person, right? Uh, for there is no authority except from God, and those that do exist have been instituted by God. There, therefore, whoever, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Look at verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad Would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then what should we do? We should do what is good. And you'll receive his approval. Friends, do what's good. What's good? To do justice, to do what's right. We've seen that this morning. Uh, Students, young people, this is for you too. You know, you may feel like, "Uh, all these warnings, they don't apply to me. I'm young. This is only, you know, people who are old and out of shape. That's only people who get affected by this. But guess what? If you're to do what's right, you're going to love people, even if maybe you're not as susceptible to some of these things, and you're going you're to stay home, you're going to obey the authorities, and that's loving, and that's right. And in this time, in this place, that's justice. Uh, finally, I would say this. Be an encourager. Proverbs 12.25 says, Worry makes a man's heart heavy, but a kind word cheers him up be an encourager. Consider who you might encourage this week. Maybe uh, you would encourage a stay-at-home mom or a working mom who now has to stay at home or a working dad who now has to stay at home with their kids because there's no place for their kids to go. School's closed, daycare's closed, uh, there's nothing available for them, and they could really use a moment of sanity if somebody could just hang out with their kids for an hour or two. What's another way you could be an encourager? Maybe you could uh, write a note to somebody to encourage them. Give them a call. FaceTime them. Uh, Be an encourager. Do what's right. Worry makes a heart heavy, but kind words cheer him up. Um, Friends, how will you do justice this week? Maybe it's just checking in on somebody. Maybe it's not panicking, doing what's right. Maybe it's not uh, denying things. Maybe it's uh, following authority. Now, there's way more to justice, I realize, that we could talk about in terms of, of social justice and caring for the oppressed and all of those things. But for us, in this moment, in this time, justice, doing what's right, are those things. Hey, I'm really glad that you could join us this morning you need to know that even while the world is in chaos, even the psalmist writes, though the mountains be tossed into the sea, God is still in control. And he tells us, be still, be calm, know that I'm God. Friends, know that Jesus is near, that That you are loved. And let me just say this, that uh, if, if you are finding yourself in a little bit of panic or anxiety or depression or fill in the blank. Hey, we would we would love to pray with you. And even though you might have to be social distancing from people, you don't have to be spiritually distant from God. And you can turn to him in faith and Jesus would forgive you and save you and he would draw near to you. Listen, if we can help you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out. You can you can email me, josh at wawaseebible.com. You can Call the church office. You can chat right now as you're watching this live. Even if you're watching a replay of this on our website, you can click that request prayer button and somebody will be back in touch with you uh, sometime in the next day to to pray with you and pray for you. Friends, let me pray for you, and then we'll call it a morning. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for your grace to us, your goodness. Lord, uh, you are truly in charge of all things, and even in the midst of chaos, you're still on the throne. Would you give us peace in a supernatural way, calm, to be still, to know that you are God, and to trust you. Father, I pray for those who've never trusted you, that even today, right now, they might turn in saving faith, Jesus, to you. If that's you, it's simple. It's just simply acknowledging you need Uh, a Savior, and uh, just praying from your heart, Lord, uh, Lord Jesus, save me. The Bible's clear that if you would believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, in other words, that you need a Savior, you will be saved. Lord, thanks for Jesus. Uh, We pray all of this through him. Amen.